this never works and I still spend 20 minutes looking for the I told clap. you to hold up a piece of like bright colored paper and see it then. Right, but I edit it mostly for sound, not for video. So the holding of the, I could wave the paper back and forth, I guess. But welcome to Holy <laughs> Shit. My name is Dan Taylor. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you've just listened to the last 15 seconds of nonsense and I hope you didn't turn it off right away. But thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Dan Taylor, if you have been to the show uh, before, welcome back. If you have not been here before, thank you for coming. Uh, there are apparently like 1,300 of you that subscribe to the show, uh, which I appreciate. Thank you very much. Uh, but yet only eight of you have rated and commented on iTunes about this show. So I would like that number to go higher. Remember... Joel Osteen has 835 ratings, <laughs> and we can beat that and make him confused and annoyed for a day, which I think is, at this point, one of the best things that we can do for humanity, unless one of you have, like, a COVID-19 here, um, <laughs> which I don't think anyone who's listening to this show does. So uh, I want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, this is a show where we talk about the Bible with two uh, people, two smart people, and uh figure out what we're going to do with it uh, in response. So today's guest, very privileged to have on, uh, all the way from Winnipeg, the very funny uh, Dean Jenkinson. Please put your hands together. Hi, everybody. Yeah. How's it going, man? I'm all right. Yeah. So what is your official title now? You are the... Uh, I am the artistic director of the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, um, which means uh, when people don't come, they know who to be mad at. <laughs> nice. I think it was just me, and but there's nobody else who has any input whatsoever. And you also get alternately uh, sucked up to in public and then privately derided by like every community. What? People <laughs> privately deride me? I didn't know that. <laughs> Actually, I honestly haven't heard that, but it's but you know as well as I do that there's like, how do you even get on that festival? I've been applying for two years and I've been doing comedy for three and I haven't <laughs> been on that festival yet. <laughs> I've been told there's an extraordinary amount of kissing ass you have to do and I have yet to experience it. I've never, I've yet to uh, get any of that. Ass. I don't know who's getting it. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. So. It doesn't sound comfortable to be on the receiving end, even. Of, of ass kissing. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, but thank you very much for being here. Uh, our other uh, illustrious guest whose voice you have heard and heard before is the uh, smart person for today, uh, who is Teddy Taylor. Teddy uh, Taylor is the uh, database director for the King's University and also... Uh, this doesn't derides her status as smart person, but but my wife. Um, We're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not. You know, like I got in early, and this is my advice to young men out there: find someone smarter and better looking than you, and then marry them before they realize what their options are, and. <laughs> <laughs> then you will be a happy person. That's kind of my relationship advice, right? So, but Teddy is also uh, available online as Craft Evangelist. The uh, you are a, a, a craft influencer, I think is the <laughs> sure. Yeah, you have way more uh, public notoriety than I do as uh, one with many crochet patterns online. So uh, yeah, 
Look up craft evangelist in your, in, if you're into knitting or crocheting. So Teddy's story, you know a little bit, but uh, we'll start with you, Dean. So we tell Bible stories on this show. You kind of grew up with these as well, right? Yeah, I grew up going to church in Sunday school and did that uh, for quite a lot of my life. Um, and then I think that for a good couple of years, maybe three, uh, I was roped into being a Sunday school teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think I did a terrible job, but I also don't think I did a, a great job either. I think I was uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know, but it wasn't it wasn't long before I said, you know what? I don't think this is my calling. <laughs> I think one of the weird things about comedians is that we're like I don't, I don't know if you were a comedian at the time, but people expect us to be funny when we're not on stage. Yeah, and yeah. Most comedians that I've met are actually very <laughs> very serious. Yeah. <laughs> Curious and often introverted and, and, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <weird. laughs> so, uh, but you are also a dad. Um, how, like, were, were these, uh, like, I know, like, even for just lack of having other stories to tell, we did share Bible stories with our kids, you know, even though we were, it was a big part of our life, but like, we did do that just because we would get a slew of Bible, like children's Bibles for family and friends. And it was like, these were stories that, our children have learned because I grew up with them. Did you do that with your kids as well? Or I can't, no, I can't honestly say that I, I, I did. Okay, cool. So was that a conscious decision or was that just a, a thing that happened? Um, I think it was, I mean, I, I guess it wasn't a conscious decision to include them, right? The, the conscious decision to include those stories uh, wasn't made. So the default position was Dr. Seuss oh. and, yeah. and Barbara, put your pants and everybody else <laughs> that's cool now i know teddy kind of your history with bible stories but like for people did you grow up with these kind of bible stories in your life at all or no not really i mean like i here and there i would like go to church with aunties or um something like that and so a basic kind of cultural familiarity with some of the stories and with the the bible in in general kind of but very like skewed by just culture and so obviously you'd know like the stories of Christmas and Easter and um and have heard and you know and had heard you know little bits and pieces of other more famous stories mm -hmm. but not really not really familiar with them in a deep sense okay well so but you did ultimately get familiar with them as a teenager and kind of like yeah they became a bigger part of your life then? Yeah. Yeah. Then when I, like I started going to church as a, as a teenager and, and then I went to Bible school. So I got a little bit more familiar with the stories and stuff from there. But. So I don't, and I'm going to tragically uh, show how little attention I paid to my own parenting sometimes, but like, do you remember, I don't remember us having a conversation about like, yes, we're going to do Bible stories. No, we're not going to do Bible stories or like, you know, which ones we're going to bring in or bring out or filter. Like, did we ever have that conversation or was it just like, I mostly remember being overwhelmed and being like, you want to read things? These are the books that are available. <laughs> that we were very good at being like consciously like, and now we're going to read the stories. But I think that we talked about things as they came up. Like we always talked to our kids and like the Bible was part of our lives. And then like we did read through like various children's Bibles and, 
and things like that. Like, it's not like our kids were not familiar with the stories, but yeah. I don't know that, I mean, we've necessarily done like a really intentional job of that. No, not certainly not as intentional as some people online would tell me that I need to be. But yeah, that's, I wasn't exactly making our children geniuses. I don't know. <laughs> like Our kids are fine, but I'm just like, I sometimes I'm like, oh, I was supposed to think about that. And I didn't. <laughs> but um, so yeah, we're, well, this story, I don't think that we're going to cover today ever really appeared um, in any of the the children's storybook Bibles <laughs> or or really in any of the, the stories that I would have heard as a kid, uh, mostly because it involves pretty adult themes. Um, this is a story that, that doesn't have any, there's no actual murders in the story, but the air of murder lurks around the outside of the stories. So the threat <laughs> of murder uh, is, is a significant part of it. So, uh, so this story is another story about Abraham. Season one is gonna be mostly Abraham because it's just more fun. Uh, to talk about Abraham and lots of messed up stuff happening to Abraham. So uh, as, if you've listened to this before, you're going to hear me repeat some stuff. But Abram, Abraham starts out as Abram, okay? Abram is the kind of father of the nation of Israel and, and father of uh, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. So he's all of them point back to Abram as the originator, and God's call on him as the originator of their faith. And this, So this whole thing starts with Abram. And, um, and if you're actually following along reading, uh, for those of you who are into that kind of stuff, go to Genesis 12. It's, this whole story starts with, with God calling Abram and blessing him and saying, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you children as many as the sands in the seashore and the stars in the sky and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and all this good stuff is going to happen. All nations will be blessed through you, Abram. So he... Abram then follows God to where he tells him to go, and he brings his whole family with him. Now, Abram was married to Sarah, and this whole incident happens right at the beginning of, uh, of Genesis 12. He has this vision. God appears to him personally. God calls him. God blesses him. God does this kind of miraculous thing in him. And then immediately after, the, the Bible says that there's a famine in the land in which they were living, the land of Canaan. So, so Abram takes his family and his livestock and all that kind of stuff, and they go as refugees into Egypt, which was relatively common at the time because Egypt had the Nile River. Nile River uh, managed, meant that they managed to avoid famine. If there was a drought in Egypt, the river would still come through uh, and fertilize everything, so there managed to be food there. So they, they're going into Egypt as refugees. Uh, and this happens, uh, Bible says very clearly, when, when Abram was 75 years old, uh, and his wife, Sarah, was about 10 years younger, so she would have been about 65 years old at this time. So immediately after the story of this calling, go in as uh, refugees escaping famine in Egypt. And but before they get to Egypt, uh, Abram turns to his wife, Sarah, and says, Kay, um, you're super hot. And not just I, as your husband, think that you're super hot. Like, everybody thinks that you're super hot. You're so hot, in fact, that if the Egyptians find out that you're my wife, they'll murder me in order to just take you, and then you'll be here. So this is the plan. We're going to tell the Egyptians that you are my sister, and then they're, they'll just be nice to you and not murder me, and then everything will go well. 
And so Sarah agrees to this plan. We're not actually, we don't actually, actually, I should take that back. We're not told that she agrees to the plan, but she goes along with it anyway. She doesn't argue with them. Uh, and they go into Egypt. And when they get to Egypt, when the first thing that happens is somebody uh, sees uh, Sarah and is like, hey, 65-year-old lady, you're super <laughs> hot. You're so hot. We need to take you to the Pharaoh. And so they do that. They're like, hey, who are you? Brother. Okay, well, we don't have to murder you then. She's going to see the Pharaoh. And, and she goes in and takes a place in Pharaoh's concubine. Now, immediately what happens, the Bible says, is that the household of Pharaoh begins to come down with diseases of various kinds. It doesn't specify what diseases they are, but I imagine everything ranging from the common cold to various coronaviruses that may existed at the time to, to syphilis and, and leprosy and whatever other diseases he got. And this goes through his entire household and even into his uh, even into his livestock. And they're like, hey, this isn't cool. What's going on here? So, but then, so, so they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then, and then Pharaoh has a dream wherein God tells him this is happening because this woman that you brought in is actually the wife of the guy that you, uh, the, the uh, uh, wife of, of that Abram guy and not her brother. So Pharaoh calls in Abram and has a meeting with him. And his first question to Abram is, why? Why didn't you just say that this hot 65-year-old lady was your wife rather than your, than your sister? And all of this could have been avoided. And Abram says, well, I was scared that you would murder me and that you would just take her anyway. And Pharaoh is like, not cool, man. Not cool. Uh, I need you to take your wife and get out of here, but God told me you're a prophet and we all have diseases, so I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff and I'm going to send you away. So he gives him like cash, like a bunch of silver and gold. He gives him some livestock and, and sends him to another part of Egypt far away from where Pharaoh was living at the time. And that's the first time this happens now we're going to take a break right now to um to uh just kind of discuss this a little bit where we are um dean we're of a similar age uh how many 65 like there's some very beautiful 65 year old women in the world have how many of them have you met that you'd be willing to murder for Helen Mirren, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you wrote jokes for um, Star Carrie Wars Fisher. Lady. Carrie Fisher. Yeah, you wrote jokes for Carrie Fisher. So was she, was she worth murdering for, or? Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's a, you're putting me in a tough position. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to speak ill of the dead in some way? <laughs> I kind of feel like, and I don't, I didn't, I never met her, but. It's like ill of the dead to be like, I probably wouldn't murder for her. <laughs> I kind of feel like Carrie Fisher would have had more agency in this story. I kind of. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like she would have been stepped up and been like, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this plan. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, 
having you know kind of grown up with this like uh, have you have you heard this particular story before dean or i have not heard this story this is all brand new to me and uh uh yeah i'm, I'm trying to uh yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to see behind it and see where the, the moral is going <laughs> it seems to work out pretty well for abram at the end right i mean he he, he does the lie he yeah. doesn't get murdered and he uh gets a lot of cash and livestock and fabulous prizes and uh yeah and yeah so so far so good <laughs> yeah well and again this this brings me back to there's a lot of stories in genesis that sort of take me back to um we did uh with if you want to go back and listen we did uh abraham and isaac with charlie demers a couple of weeks ago and uh and uh and mordecai richler does a reading of that story for the cbc once where after the Abraham and Isaac incident, he, he says that he just adds one line where it's like, you know, he doesn't, he sacrifices the lamb instead. And then Mordecai Richler just says, but I don't think things are ever the same between Abe and Izzy after that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like wondering, were things the same between Abe and, and Sarah after that? Like, how... How long do you think, like, how long was he in the doghouse for? Well, so I'm trying to, his alternatives were, like, it sounds like he had good reason to think he'd be murdered. So it sounds like she was getting sold into what I guess what amounted to sexual slavery. Is that basically yes, what we're talking yeah, about? It's really hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. Harem? yeah, I mean, it's really so he seemed to think this and the way the story is told in the text is that we're not sure if we should argue with him or not um the way pharaoh tells the story you know the when pharaoh goes to speak to him the way like if if pharaoh were telling the story rather than abram he would say like i thought this lady was hot and single so i brought her into my house to treat her nice and then i turned <laughs> to find out she's married and not cool, man. Right? Um, so, so the assumption is, if you just told me you'd married, I would have said, "Oh, well, congratulations! That's a yeah, wonderful you like, oh, Okay, you know, like I'm not in the business of grabbing every hot lady that I see, only the unattached ones, I guess. They, they called it. Is that a crowd pull? Is that what they call it in like rock and roll? You get your people backstage. to see you. Come. Now we're going to beat up the boyfriend that you came the with. VIP Get off that guy's shoulders. <laughs> what do you, what, what, like, you know, Teddy, what do you think about this in terms of, like, if, like, and I mean, like, you know, try and put, try and put yourself in Sarah's shoes a little bit. Because I, I think that we all should try and put ourselves in Sarah's shoes a little bit because we don't have a perspective. But, like, what do you think she's thinking at this time? Do you think she buys what, Abram is selling, you know, like I, I mean, pretty hard to know, like, cause you don't really get a lot of her perspective. Like she doesn't really, she's not quoted. You don't have an argument. You don't have a discussion here. You don't have like within it, there's just like, all right. And I mean, maybe it was just like, I can't imagine being in that situation. Cause I, I like just culturally so different. I would get like, that's where you're just like, oh, I don't know. Do you, was it just the thing that you just did whatever because he was going to do whatever to you anyways? And so you just kind of went along with it and you were like lucky to be alive, I guess. Yeah. And not be 
dead and or like left destitute without anyone taking care of you yeah um so that's kind of weird and then to just be like well i guess i had this husband who was supposed to take care of me but now i'm just in a harem yeah great <laughs> what a good deal <laughs> well and i mean what's interesting is like there's some scholars that would have said it actually was a better deal right because rather than dealing with one dude if there's like the needs of one dude are then spread out among many women you know and you don't actually have to spend that much time with him right and food and, and hey then you got some girlfriends yeah exactly i mean the that that's even the argument for for polygamy and polyamory today is that like it's a much more healthy relation arrangement than than the 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 constant strain that monogamy is like I'm not trying to convince you of anything, but I mean, that's an argument that some people would make. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I find the, I, the concept though, fascinating of, I get like just the simple thing of like, Hey, if they find out I'm your husband, they're going to murder me. And then, then just take you, which, which sounds awful. However, like, like, I'm old, like, I remember being younger and being at bars as a 17, 18, 19 year old, where after a few drinks, someone would have that kind of logic. Like, yeah, she's with a dude. Well, I'll just punch him and then she'll be interested in me, right? Like, where my job as sober friend was also to be like, I don't think that that's going to work out the way that you plan to. <laughs> um, but I also knew enough girls that were like, in, that at the time and they were literally girls at the time being like oh no stop fighting but actually like kind of secretly enjoying the fighting is that a real thing or was i only perceiving that in my head i don't know i don't know if that, if that ever happened over me so no <laughs> what about you dean do you Nonsense that have no, I've heard that. I've heard that described to me. I think I think there are definitely people who enjoy two other people fighting to be your romantic pursuer. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that describes the Pharaoh. I think if he's just a powerful guy who gets what he wants, right? Yeah. And I mean, I get that kind of fear. I mean, it's it's a very silly example, but I mean, you mentioned me writing jokes for Carrie Fisher, but when I'm backstage in Montreal at the comedy festival and they have like giant stars, right? I find myself not wanting to get too into that orbit. I don't want them aware of me and who I am because they're too powerful and they can go, you're annoying me, you're fired, right? Right. <laughs> so I just want to keep my distance and keep my anonymity and just not poke my head up and be the, the nail that gets hit by the hammer, right? And I, I could name some names, but I'm not going to. But people <laughs> whose who's just entire presence is kind of frightening because you know that they know that everybody there is beneath them. And if, you're, if, you, if you do something inadvertently, you can, you can be gone, right? Well, and there are, yeah, there are people in the world, and we, this isn't that foreign for us to understand, that there are people yeah. with enough power and influence that they, they, they can be as volatile as they want to be right like no one no one is going to place a boundary on them because yeah you're right like 
if you're writing jokes for for an ultra famous person like you know they it's not even like and that person says to get rid of you even the person who gets rid of you like they're not being a jerk they're just like you're replaceable you know like yeah. You know, and then I get a text that's like, hey, can you write this many jokes for this? <laughs> you know, like it's not, you know, like it wouldn't come to me first. I'd be like 12. On the list. <laughs> like, I was just about to say, like, do you think you're next in line? No, no. I would be like 13, 14. It would really depend on the kind of jokes that they were doing. For the first time. Like, I think if they had exhaust like uh, Graham Clark. <laughs> everyone who's ever mace galoni i think he's kind of vaulting up the the list of canadian comics who would be writing that thing but yeah that's a that's a, a scary thing and i think and i've had the exact same experience with famous people not so much not worried that i'm gonna get fired because mostly i'm just not in their orbit anyway but like to me the most terrifying thing is if i enjoy someone's work and then they turn out to be a jerk, then it's just like, I have a really hard time listening yeah. to their work again and enjoying it with that like bad taste in my mouth. Like yeah. I remember, yeah, the, the only one that I-, I Don't name heard, names. What's that? <laughs> Don't name names. Oh no, I'm gonna name names because he doesn't matter. But like I, uh, um, when I, like everybody that I've met in comedy has been super nice, though, which means I'm either completely naive or my expectations are entirely low or, Comedians in general tend to be all right folk. Um, it's the actors that are nuts. Um, but um, I remember, like, there was a folk singer that I really liked named Larry Norman when I was a teenager, and I met him, and man, he was an a hole. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't <laughs> listen to your songs anymore, man. All I can think about is that you're a massive a hole. So maybe, maybe Abram was just like, I just really admire Pharaoh's work. <laughs> he's he's built a couple of canals that i'm really appreciating you know and i just don't want that to be ruined by him murdering me and stealing you so <laughs> yeah. so um this uh so uh, i i like to do something a little bit fun here um as two people who are uh uh, who are uh, both somewhat familiar with Bible stories. And most of the, in all honesty, most of the people who listen to the show are also uh, somewhat familiar with Bible stories. I would, uh, um, we like to have a little bit of fun. This is not the worst mistake made in a marriage in the Bible. Um, so <laughs> I would like you guys, if you have one, do you guys have a favorite like messed up marriage thing that happened in the Bible. Like my favorite would be, uh, I don't know, just so I can give you guys some time to think about this because I sprang this on you. My favorite would be Ananias and Sapphira. So if you're not familiar with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, there are a couple in the book of Acts who lived in Jerusalem. They had money, money enough to have extra land. And but they were part of the church in Jerusalem. And and one day they came to Peter, who was in charge of the church in Jerusalem, and brought him some money and said, hey, we brought money for the church. And Peter's like, hey, great, thanks. Uh, is this all the money? And, they were, and, uh, and the first one that was there was the husband, and that was Ananias. And, uh, and he was like, yep, all the money. And, and, Peter, and then immediately uh, Sapphira fell dead because he was lying. 
he he was not telling the truth. It was not all the money from the land. Um, and Peter told him that before he, he fell dead. That like, hey man, like you could the land was yours, money was yours. You could have done what you wanted with it, but you probably shouldn't be lying to us about it. And God struck him dead. So they get the body, haul it out. Sapphira comes in later and is like, hey, where's Ananias? And uh, and Peter says, hey. Did you, uh, well, he was in here with a bit of money later for some land that you guys sold. Was that all the money? Which is kind of jerk move, Peter. And uh, (laughs) Sapphira says, oh, yeah, that was totally all the money. And he says, no, it wasn't. You shouldn't be lying about this stuff. You didn't have to give us any of the money. You're like, why are you lying that you gave us all of it? And then she falls dead, too. And whoever made the decision that we should just tell them that it's all of it. That I think was the worst mistake, the, the, the one of the worst marriage mistakes that was made in the Bible. Like, I just think, because at some point they had to decide together that like, yes, this is the story that we're going to tell. Um, and I mean, as much as I think Peter's a jerk for when Sapphira coming in, not being like, we know about the money, don't stop lying about it. Husband's already dead, you know? Uh, I still think that whoever originally came up with that plan, uh, that was a major uh, F up, and which also makes me think that it was probably Sapphira. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you have a favorite bad marriage? I can't, I can't pull one out of my head right now. I do recall that story. I also think it's, it's probably a bit of a jerk move of Peter in the first place to inquire. Rather, you know, <laughs> what's about looking a gift horse in the mouth? What about thank you? How about that? <laughs> Hey, I gave you a gift. Hey, did you spend all of your money on my Christmas gift? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. But why Why should I, really? <laughs> I would have been like, you know what? Here's none of the money. How about that, Peter? Here's none of the money. I was kind of expecting a little more gratitude in the first place. Laying traps for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's completely fair. I think that, you know, like, the, Peter's got a lot to answer for in that story. It doesn't paint him in a good light. It's just like, hey, man. <laughs> Not cool. What about what about you, Teddy? Do you have a, a a messed up marriage story from the Bible that you really appreciate? No. I just I I feel put on the spot, and I it'll be lovely to have you back on again. That's all. <laughs> Holy shit! This week. <laughs> Can I Google one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's Google something. No, no. We're going to stop that. It's already 745. So we're going to go to the... So the the story doesn't stop there. And Abraham and Sarah's story doesn't stop there. Because uh, this story happened when Abram was 70 and when Sarah was 65. Now, roughly 25 years later so sarah is uh a little less than 90 and uh abram is abraham by that point is roughly around uh 120 um they're on the move again they were a nomadic family that's what they did they moved from place to place and they moved into the negev which is just the south of kind of where they lived in canaan and they lived near the territory of, uh, of a guy named uh, Abimelech. Now, um, strangely, 
the exact same thing happens again. If you want to find it, it goes to Genesis 20. The exact same thing happens again. So they go to the territory of Abimelech. They're hoping to graze their cattle there. And, and Abraham, by this point, uh, turns to his then uh, roughly 90-year-old wife and says, like, hey, you're super hot. And that's just not me saying that as your husband. That's like everyone saying that, that you're super hot. To the point where I'm concerned that when we get there, Abimelech, who is in charge of this area, he's just going to murder me and take you. So I think that maybe instead, I'll just tell him that you're my sister. And... <laughs> And this should be fine. And then it'll go well for both of us. And I don't get murdered and you don't get taken into a harem. And we'll, we'll see how it goes. And to be fair to Abraham, it worked out pretty well last time. Like, I mean, uh, well, the marriage is still together. There were like, what real consequences were there for Abram first time round? So they do it again. And this time, uh, Abram goes and, and uh, introduces her to his sister. And again, it's like, like Sarah is so hot that they're like, well, you know, you're, you're an, an unaffiliated lady. Like, well, you're definitely coming into our, our, uh, my harem. And, uh, and away they go. So, but what's interesting is that I guess like Abimelech was busy or older or whatever, or just like he didn't get around to becoming involved with Sarah yet. And then he has a dream where he's confronted by God, where God comes to him in a dream and says, I'm going to completely destroy you because you took Abraham's wife. And he's like, I did not take Abraham's wife. I took Abraham's sister. You must have the ladies confused. And God was like, no, Abraham lied about it. I'm going to destroy you because you took this man's wife. And, uh, and Abimelech says, well, that's on you then, because like I did not do this, and God says, "Well, you better send her back and and uh, and get this over with." So Abimelech wakes up, and he again has the meeting with Abraham, where he like summons him in, you know, to the meeting, and it's like, "So is that lady your your sister or your wife?" Because uh, I had a dream where God told me that that was your wife and I'm about to be destroyed. So I haven't touched her or anything yet, haven't gotten around to it. It's been a busy week or so, but like if the, we can sort this out, the, that would be good. Nabram again tells him that like, actually she's my wife and uh, I was worried that you were gonna murder me and then take her. And again, Abimelech is like, why would you think that? I'm a good dude. I don't go around slaughtering people's <laughs> slaughtering people's husbands so I could take their wives. That's much later in the Bible. Um, and then, <laughs> so, uh, so, and again, he pays off uh, a Abraham with some livestock and some cash. And Abraham comes out better on the end of this and sends Sarah back to Abraham. Um, but again, I don't know that things were the same between Abraham and Sarah after that. Now. Did she get a nice necklace out of it at least? Uh, we're not told that specifically. I, who knows? It's starting to sound like Abraham's got a good shakedown going on. <laughs> this seems like a decent scam. Yeah. And what are they paying him off for? What is he, what is it? What do they want from him? Like, here's a bunch of money. Don't, what? <laughs> Don't 
telling you? What are they paying uh, them off? I, I really well, one, I think that they're they're afraid of God. I think is the is the principle that we're supposed to get out of it. Um, there's two things I get out of this. Is like, so if this is like, so uh, like if the, I, 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 you know, I believe the Bible is true, right? So if this is a true story, how the hell do you do this twice and get away with it? And how does the conversation with your spouse change the second time you do this, where it's like, the, you know, this wasn't cool last time, or maybe it was. They were both completely cool with it. I don't, know how, many, Sorry, go I don't ahead. know how many 90-year-olds you've had conversations with, but you can talk them into a lot, really. I <laughs> have <laughs> 25 years apart. It's also sounding like a, it's also sounding like a bit of a it's, it's like a setup to a hidden camera gag. Now listen, 90-year-old <laughs> lady. I don't want to get murdered because of how hot you are. It's a just for laughs thing. <laughs> Not just me saying this. You ask anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what's fast—the other thing that's fascinating about the story is that if the story is fictional, like kind of lazy writing for like season five to be exactly <laughs> the same as season one, right? Like, is that like do what? Do, what do we make of it? Do it? Does it matter in the way that we interpret this that that the same thing happens twice? Recognition, Dan. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but it's rule of threes for comedy. You could have it a third time. It's true. And then the third time they both get murdered, and that would be a rule of threes for comedy, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You're a more comedy professional writer be, than me, Dean. Well, I think the, I think the third time is, uh, so are you two together? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And then they take Abram to be a sex slave. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, no. That's why you're a professional writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, but seriously, this is interesting because, like, in at least two of the major faith traditions, Abraham is exalted for his faith, you know? And in the Christian tradition, like, by the time you get to the New Testament, Abraham is lifted up because of his faithfulness, that he believed, because, because he believed God, right? And in these stories, this doesn't sound like a man who's acting out of his deep faith in the protection and, and care of Almighty God. This sounds like a guy who's just like, I don't know, this guy could just murder me and take you, and I never should have gotten a dangerously hot wife. You know, if I had <laughs> just had a slightly plainer wife, my life would be so much simpler. Um, but a burden. So, what does that... I mean... Obviously, there's more to Abraham's character than just these two stories. But, like, as people who think about story, what do you think about Abram hearing these? Is he just shrewd? or? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, you just told a story where, uh, uh, you know, uh, telling a casual lie results in uh, a death sentence immediately. And Abraham seems to get rewarded <laughs> handsomely both times. Yeah. It sounds like the, uh, the rule book has changed a little from one story to another. <laughs> Or different people get different treated differently somehow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, yeah, like, it, so, I mean, just think about the character of Abram. You meet Abram in the street, he's like 100, which is weird enough as is. Mostly he'd be like, I shouldn't talk to you because you must be immunocompromised somehow. Um, 
but like is this a person that you trust or you think that you know like or or is this a person that you're like you're a shyster you know like uh, in the in the most literal sense of the word Pay him off and get get, <laughs> get as far away as you can. That seems to be the moral of the story. Yeah. Everything you got in a run. I mean, the question is really like, did they age at the same rate? Like, I'm sorry. Like, who is like the 90-year-old woman being brought into the harem or whatever? And being like, yeah, yeah. Because, like, anybody is going to want you. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying like whatever, but I don't know. I just feel like I'm over 40. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're done now. <laughs> now it surprises youth in the same way, I guess, you know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the was there a lot of knitting in harems back then? Was there a lot of... <laughs> He's like, I just wanted her to make socks, man. That's all. Like, you know how long it takes to make those? You need a lot of knitters. <laughs> like, I just wanted an unlimited supply of socks. That's why I have the big harem. I'm not even into that anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a Bimelex reason there. Yeah, that's a Bimelex reason. He's just super into knit wear. Um, uh, what I find interesting about this story particularly, and I think that, Dean, you already kind of touched on it, is it begins to sound, it, it's incongruous with the rest of the Bible in so many ways, because uh, we have this main character who does this shady thing, but gets away with it and gets rewarded for it. And in that way, it starts to sound like indigenous trickster stories, right? Because in other cultures have stories where there's this trickster and he fools the rich and powerful person in some way, and they ultimately get what they want, and and we're we're all supposed to be like ooh kudos to him for being such a shrewd person right and and they admire that as well but so but uh, so what i find interesting is that like by the time we get to the new testament we're sort of whitewashing abraham in some ways where we're only praising him for his faith and not praising him for his shrewdness um should we you know for those of us who are christians or kind of grew up in that tradition like, do we value shrewdness enough? Like, should we uh, have more room for that in our tradition, do you think? I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but it's it's not like in my, you know, my understanding what a trickster story would be like, and I, I don't have specific examples that, uh, yeah. and I could be wrong. No, no, it's when you're, when, yeah. you're, when you're, you know, when you're fooling the rich and powerful, you're, you're you're hoisting them mm -hmm. on their whatever, right? You're exploiting care uh, in that backhanded way, uh, the um, the error of their ways, right? That they're valuing the wrong things, that they're putting value in money and appearance and vanity and everything else. And look what that's gotten you. Right. I've taken advantage of all of your weaknesses that you thought were strengths, mm. right? And that yeah. doesn't seem to be what's happening here, right? It's just, uh, oh, I'm telling this kind of, cowardly lie out of fear yeah. it's not really rudeness and then when i'm confronted about it i come clean and they'll well, well get out of here with all my money because uh your your kind of half-assed lie really put me in a bad position with you know yeah. the man in the sky who told me he's gonna kill me <laughs> or take me with your word 
<laughs> that was my big mistake was believing you, you cowardly liar. <laughs> I don't know what the moral in that story is. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that that's why it's most of us haven't heard it. I think it's a really fascinating example of, uh, you know, like, because it is morally ambiguous. You know, this is a person who's supposed to be a father of three faiths, you know, and yet here he is like the moment after he has his big epiphany covenantal moment, he's like, okay, but once we get to Egypt, that's not real anymore. And ultimately what I'm afraid of is Pharaoh, right? It's not like my trust is in almighty God. It's like my trust is in Pharaoh, so we can't mess with him. And then that, you know, and it's not like he grows out of, like, it's not like he has a straight line progression to where he's like, oh, but now I've learned from that mistake. 25 years later, as an even older man, he repeats the same thing over again. Where it's like, I'm not going down into the Negev with, like, this faith in Almighty God who's going to have my back and protect me. His faith is in, like, I trust Abimelech to murder me because of your hotness. And... <laughs> We're gonna fix that somehow, right? Uh, it's like, and maybe that's why it took so long for Isaac to be born. I think that that we might have like nailed the actual issue of what was going on in that whole story as well. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. So, um, like the the only thing that I can remotely compare this to in my own life is of where you're just lied to that bald-facedly is like having children do that, right? And as a parent, sometimes you just catch your kids in a lie where it's just like, you know, they said that they did all their work. They obviously did not do all their work. You know, they wanted to play, you know, you said, did you do all your schoolwork? Uh, or it's like, they come down and they're like, I want to play video games. Did you do all your schoolwork? Yes, I did all my schoolwork. And then you get an email nowadays, you get an email from the <laughs> teacher. It's like, here are all the assignments that they didn't do. And you're like, well, no more <laughs> video games until all the, you know. But like, you hope that the child will learn from that eventually. <laughs> you know, does it matter to us? Does it mean anything that he doesn't seem to learn anything? Or, or God doesn't seem to be teaching Abraham? Like, we, there's not a teaching lesson in this. Is, yeah. Am I wrong to demand a to want there to be a teaching lesson? I don't think you're wrong unless I'm, uh, I don't know, maybe the moral is, and that just happened. Weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes weird stuff happens. Am I right, everybody? This is the David Lynch movie. <laughs> like, I agree with you that there's not really any, there's not really any, like, moralizing in this, in either story. Like, after Afterwards, there's not a lot of commentary about it, about what we should do with it. And um, and it does really seem to reflect very poorly on Abraham. He doesn't come across as shrewd. He comes across as cowardly. And he comes across as less um, righteous than the, um, than the Pharaoh and then Abimelech even. Because he's like, uh, I'm just gonna lie and then these other guys are like okay well I'm just gonna do the right thing okay and I said I was gonna do it and and I mean maybe they wouldn't have, maybe they would really have killed him I don't know or tried to but I think that we have no evidence of that like it's, it's true I mean it's clearly like they have a reputation I don't know like it would seem as though they like 
their reputation precedes them and and they come out and they've just never been like hit with plagues or bad or like dreams to say like yeah. don't do this um at the same time like i think that in some ways there's a level of like approachability to abraham in these stories where you're just like we have mountaintop experiences too and then we fail after yeah. that right then sometimes then it's just like where you can still be like and then so if we go all the way back to the new testament after that you abraham is remembered for his faith he's honored for his faith and not for these screw-ups like maybe there's hope for us that we can be that we can be remembered for like not for our screw-ups yeah i guess i mean i'm just torn because like one of the things i think with the one of the things that i i think about the bible is like you know i've mentioned this on the show before but we have you know like i've i've heard that the last 30 years ushered in the complicated man character right that like the main character used to be uncomplicated and now the main character is complicated. And if we were to have, if we were to think about the Bible in a, as a contemporary TV show, this would be a complicated character, right? However, most of the characters, most of the complicated man characters, their complications make you like them more, even though you're not supposed to, right? In The Sopranos, you end up liking Tony Soprano, even though he's a psychotic mobster gangster. In Mad Men, you end up liking Don Draper, even though he's this broken shell of a human who doesn't know how to treat people properly. You know, you still end up liking him. I don't like Abram on the other side of these stories, you know, and maybe like, and, and I think that that ch does change things for me. Like there's other character flaws that I think that I could excuse, but this one I'm having a really hard time with. Uh, I don't like, so, so like, yeah, I just don't like the character as much. And I get, you're right. You're absolutely right that he is much more like us than I think that we would like to admit, but I don't like myself that much, like, you know, sometimes. And I, and I wonder what do we, you know, like, I don't know, Dean, do you feel like this is a character, like just as a character, is this a, a person that you like or is it do you, do you like him after this or do you feel like oh well i mean i'm with you and i think the other mysterious part of it is the uh you know the supernatural uh uh, uh bend of justice is punishing the believer of the lies right. rather than the teller of the lies right yeah um i'm assuming that that's you know uh um that I'm understanding it correctly, right? It's not that you took this woman, it's that you took this woman who happens to be someone else's wife, uh, yeah. which you didn't know, right? Yeah, they like, didn't go actively go out of their way to commit adultery, you yeah. know? And it's like, uh, it's like if the, uh, if, if the story is uh, Peter's like, hey, uh, you know, uh, thanks for this money that's from your property. Is it really money from your property? Yes, it really is. No, actually you stole it and now God's killing me because I accepted stolen money, right? <laughs> but, right? It, it was, uh, you didn't know, you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the other problematic thing is there's, a, there's other collateral damage here that's not even discussed. Like, 
Sarah and her preferences or like faculties or anything are not considered at all. Like it doesn't matter what she wants or whether that's cool with her to go like be part of ARM, but also all the other, like does what does it say about the people who are struck down with diseases and COVID-19 and all other sorts of like, yeah. like diseases and, and plagues as a result of like, I guess would that be COVID minus four thousand, something like that? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. No, it's nineteen. It's infiltrating everything. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it, and, <laughs> and I think that you're right with that. I mean, one of the things that I, uh, I read, like, because we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah a few weeks ago, one of the things that I read about that story was that, you know, um, if the sin of Sodom was that they, which we talked about, was that they didn't take care of the poor and the needy then the people of Sodom are justified in, in going to God and saying like, hey, you held us to a standard that you don't seem to be holding the, anyone else to, right? And, and I think that this is fair for Ananias and Sapphira or for many of these characters that we've seen struck down with disease, you know, you do see this like, yeah. the, this ability for them to stand up in the, if the, the court of God exists to be like, hey, well, why isn't justice being l ladled out equally? You know, yeah, seems to be a lot, of, a lot of cannon fodder, right? It, like in the Job story, right? It's like, what if yeah. uh, all these people die so that we can see what, what this one guy will do, right? Yeah, and so even the character of God in this story, it starts to make you be like, so what is your motivation in this whole thing? Like, why, you know, like, why this allegiance? And I, I mean, the question for me as a, as a viewer or a reader or, you know, if you're, like, sometimes I think it's helpful for me to imagine giving notes on this. Like, if somebody was like, here's my screenplay, and I'd be like, what's God's motivation? So if God is a character in the story, what's his motivation in this? Like, what does he want from Abraham? Like, what what is his allegiance to Abraham in this story? Like, why does he continue to have his back? And, and, and there aren't, I mean, you can come up with all the pat answers you want. And, you know, and as somebody who was trained in Christian ministry, I can come up with a dozen pat answers for you. But none of them are that satisfying when you actually think about them. Right? Like, other than that, like, humans are messed up. <laughs> Period. And it's just like, oh, gross. You know, like, they've been messed up forever. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh... Well, and the disappointing thing is through this like through this story, like it would be more satisfying to to have a third story, to have a third story where maybe he believed instead, like had faith that like instead right. of being murdered and his wife taken because she was so hot, that then he was like, well, maybe, maybe it's okay for me to like, for me to trust God and tell the truth. And yeah. Like, there's no third story. The after-school special of this is in Act 3. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, I'm going to tell the truth. And he's like, so when he's 130 and Sarah's 110, <laughs> he's like, you're so hot. That's a, not just me saying that as your husband. Every and postpartum. So and... That that like we're gonna that was go way to this, uh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to Assyria which doesn't exist yet and they're gonna think you're so hot that they're <laughs> gonna take you away from me but you know what I'm gonna trust God this time and just be like hey this lady's my wife and they all go like whatever <laughs> you know or they just give him here's money a double room yeah 
Like, I guess after school. How rich are you that you can afford this? <laughs> you can get this 110 year old Audi. <laughs> money, that guy. You seem to be too. <laughs> Drop that skincare routine. Like <laughs> so, the, we're coming up on time. So, I do want to ask the question uh, that we always ask here. This is a weird story. This is possibly the weirdest and most morally ambiguous story that we've got, um, weirdly enough. Uh, do we toss it? Do we tame it? Do we turn it up? What do we do with it? I uh, Teddy, I'll let you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I got a boat toss. I don't know. Really? I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't. We've talked about it for an hour, and I still, uh, <laughs> the longer we go, the more I'm just, ah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it, uh, that's absolutely fair. We don't know what to do with this. Uh, like, if I, were a, if I were a human editor of the Bible, I'd be like, what do we want this story to say? Because I don't know why the, these incidents you need are. A page one rewrite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we can save ourselves, guys, like two whole episodes. We can do two different things right here. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I get it. I get it. Definitely thoughts. Uh, Teddy, what do you think? Like, I guess I think that if Abraham were like like doing this story today, right? Like, if this happened today and it all got found out and publicized and on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, like he'd get canceled. There'd be no Abraham. We'd be done with him. No, that is, that's, you're done. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and while I'm not a proponent of like, oh yeah, more chances for these other POSs, but like, I'm also like, we're Jesus really. piece of shit. Shit is in okay. the title. I don't know why everybody feels so reticent to swear on this show. It's called holy shit. <laughs> The asterisk, it's just not sure. I guess I just, I, I feel like there's a, like, even among people of, of faith, there's a lot of garbage in, within your life. And, and does that mean you get canceled? And I'm, I'm going to say that, like, scripturally, the evidence is not always. Mm. Sometimes you get struck dead in front of in in front of Peter. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes you get a bunch of cattle. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'd agree that like Abraham would get cancelled, right? Because the story is very easily understood as here's a poor guy who uh told a lie of, of self-defense to corrupt power, right? I went to the border. I said, I'm not related to this woman at the border because the border guards are gonna take her and and, and, and whatever, right? Yeah. So if you have a reason to believe that the authorities are corrupt and you tell a lie to protect your family, uh, that seems entirely justified in a lot of cases, right? Yeah. And if I have full trust in the authorities that if I, I tell you the truth, then you'll you'll treat me justly, here's here's the whole story. But if if the, if you know the cops are dirty, I'm not telling the cops the, the, the truth, right? If the right. cops are dirty, you're not yeah. getting the truth out of me because you're going to use it against me, right? I'm going to try to cover my ass and my family's ass. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to, I'm torn, you know, like obviously my bias is like we should tell complicated stories even if they're uh, impossible to deal with because the, the conversation is at least interesting, fun, forces our brains to work. But I think I'm going to go with Dean on this one with a toss, you know, like, and obviously yeah. I don't get to make that decision, but I think like. I win. Do I win the podcast? Is that what? 
but yeah, I think it, I like it. I, 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 it's so hard for me to, you know, and I, I think I'm, you're 100% right with this making Abram and uh, Abraham a complex character. And, and he is a very complex character, but I'm just like, this swerves him to a place where it's like, can we redeem him from here? You know? And, uh, and, and I just, it's just really hard for me to wrap my head around. So, um, you know, obviously, thank goodness I don't get to make that decision. It's left in there. So, like, ultimately, it's all to keep. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but I think if I had my druthers as an editor, uh, <laughs> I'd be like, toss. <laughs> like, we, we can find some interesting stories to give. To give uh, we could find a better story to give Abraham death. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, this was, was holy shit. I want to say thank you very much, Dean. Thank you for coming. You were great. We, I would love to have you back on again uh, and, and do this. Teddy, uh, thank you very much for being here. You live in my house, so you're forced to be here every time or and at least be quiet in the background. <laughs> but thank you very much for being here. And uh, yeah, any, uh, any last words or things you guys want to promote to the people that might still be listening? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be recording a From Home Debaters uh, in a couple of days, so listen for that coming up. Are you allowed to tell us the topic, or do you have to wait? Yeah, I'm going to be arguing for home baking, Nice. uh, and uh, Elvira Kurt will be telling me, no, no, just just buy your damn bread. (laughs) Well, that should be fun. I would definitely turn into that, even though you're right, Um, but yeah. I'm sure Elvira, I, I, I like Elvira Curtin. She's very funny to listen to. So uh, yeah, tune into the debaters. A much more popular podcast than this one. <laughs> um, you gotta plug it though. I'm I gotta plug it. Plug yeah, gotta plug. yeah, I'm gonna be on a thing that actually people listen to. So. <laughs> How many um, rates and reviews do they have? Teddy, how, what do you want to, anything to promote? Uh, I don't have a podcast. Just go to craftevangelist.ca. There you go. For all your emigurumi needs and uh, and for being there. So thank you very much, Dean. I will be uh, talking to you soon. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, thank you, Teddy. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the uh, to Holy Shit. And remember to ra- uh, rate and comment on uh, Apple and all those things just to bother Joel Osteen. So thank you very much, guys. Have a good night. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Good night. Thank you.